All right, you primitive screwheads, listen up. I got news for you, pal. You ain't leading but two things right now. Jack and shit. Jack left town. Well, hello, Mr. Fancy Pants. What was that rocket? What rocket? I was just in my office and I heard a rocket. Describe the rocket, sir. Does this mean we're not friends anymore? DJ Anubis. And DJ Here with your Mel Time Radio Podcast, episode 135. So, rack a ball again today. Oh, I know. We had so much fun. <laughs> We're playing tomorrow, and then I have to go to lunch with my mom and my aunt and She's my She's like a rack a ball addict. I am. We hadn't played since last Saturday. And it was almost like I was fiending. And <laughs> we played, so we always do best of five. So whoever wins three first is like the winner. And I mean, I'm, it's not like diehard serious, yeah. but we that's just how we keep track of what we're doing. And, and, and we do, like, I put a lot of effort into it. I know you do, too. I mean, I'm not going to... I'm not going to run and dive and smack my head in the ground, but... We well, I mean, we don't live or dive whoever wins, but the reality is, like, like you won the first set this morning, and I won the three after that, but that's the thing. Like, we, it's not about, really, who's so much better than the other. It's just we, we got good exercise, we have fun doing it, and, you know, you're kind of learning more as you go yeah, on. Yeah, I've never played until, like, Labor Day weekend, was yeah. it, that we started? So it is... The 22nd or 3rd right now? Yeah. So, yeah. So. It, it's just been insane. Like, I can't stop wanting to play. I, 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 you know, I wanted to play yesterday, but I had shit going on um, with the bathroom and the bathroom floor. And the hardest part, like, for us is our house is very small. And... You know, we do have other shit to do than just try to fix things in the house or paint or... So I started working on this project last week, and I'm like, oh, it's going to be a pinch. It's going to be a cinch. It'll be easy peasy. Well, our house was built in 1954, so anytime we do something, it's an ordeal. <laughs> like, it's a surprise. Oh, look, there's 
three floors plus you know three layers of adhesive and I should have did what everybody else did and put the floor on top of the old floor in the bathroom because then it would have been a lot cleaner I there is adhesive flakes everywhere upstairs I'm still trying to clean up you know it's a process but we're getting there oh, I know you're loving the basement the one thing I really want to do down here is get the light fix and then get you some new ceiling tiles because those are looking pretty sad the light would be a big thing really I you know I know when we had the electrician in here before he's like oh you can just buy one of those at Home Depot and I'll install it and I'm like I don't, even, I don't even know what that is like I'm, I'm like and the way that the dude who lived here before like rigged up stuff I'd rather like have an electrician yeah, it's... buy a light and look at because you see back there there's other lights that I have unplugged because they're like plugged into other plugs that I'm like I don't even want them plugged in I think they might be a problem yeah so we have just been so crazy busy and it's funny because I haven't worked since like September the 2nd and I've been super busy which is fine. <laughs> yep and with that we've got a lot of great new music coming your way. Uh, I got some Coffin Rites, Lacey Shroud, Pestilential Shadows, what we got our May Saloon. I uh, also got some classic material in there. Got a request from uh, Kevin Tarrant coming a little later. He wanted to hear something. Uh, I kind of went out on a limb here because the Rock Block C Neko is out of music on her list. So she's going to have to rethink oh, God, it. To but I found a song that I know she likes. And so we're going to talk a little bit about that when it comes up. So I kind of did the pick for Oh, you for, did the pick for me? So it's going to be a little fun there doing no, that. Cause, I no, and it's just been so busy. I haven't had to had you make more list up for that. But well, uh, I know what song I, I should have done. Well, Everybody's was, working. <laughs> I think we already had that or something. At least one of those. Uh, we're gonna talk about our 1990s horror movies that we ranked in the tiers. We're back to that now, so we'll be doing that this oh, episode. I have a hard time seeing, and there was a huge group that on this one where I have heard of the movie I'm pretty sure I saw the movie but I remember absolutely nothing about the movie and I feel bad because she's not quite like me with retaining like she'll retain some of the information that makes her very smart but for me my smartness comes remembering shit that means nothing like movies and music so, <laughs> you know I I the way that I go about um, the movies is if I don't remember it, it means it has zero impact on me. So that is totally an average movie. If I remember it and I remember hating it, poor. Yeah, yeah, you were explaining that, but we'll get into that yes, when we'll we get, get that. We'll get to that. Uh, we'll be talking a couple of trailers. Uh, one will be James Bond, but there's more to it than just the trailer itself. Uh, we have a surprising trailer for Neko, uh, mainly because the main character, it's both something Neko really liked in real life and the actor portraying the character she really likes. So, oh no, I, is it a trailer I haven't seen yet? Yes. Oh shit! Uh, 
we so will you're going to get my reaction? Like, I'm going to watch it? Well, it's going to be listening, uh, but we'll explain who's all in it. I, I mean, but I can watch it. On later the, on, yes. No, I can't watch it on the computer with you? No, it's, I have an MP3, that's why. Oh. So, but we will sit down and watch it, too. But uh, you'll get a kick out of it one way or the other. Okay. Uh, we'll be talking about my pick of the week for the Retro DVD Movie Vault, Conan the Barbarian. You know what? I watched that in a long time. Now, I know you've watched it multiple times. It's actually been a while. I mean, but, I, mean I, I love I, it. And I've watched it more in the past than now, but that's why it's fun to go back and revisit it. I have not seen it as much as you, so there are little things that I, I, I'm like, I can't believe I ever picked up on it. Yeah, and there's a review from uh, Roger Ebert about it at the time, and he makes some interesting comments that I'm just... I. I I don't want to pick on him, plus I want to give him some credit for at the time that he wrote the review, but I've got some issues with it just because oh. we'll get back into it again want to get around there, but yeah, lots of great music, so we're going to go in and kick off our first block, uh, this is a band called Grand Howling, this is actually old school death metal from the 90s, nice. from the deep, and we'll be back.
Looking for a place to take care of all your automotive needs? Then get in touch with Stauffer's Auto Service in Millersville, Maryland. Stauffer's takes care of all auto repairs, auto service, and great quality parts as well. Stauffer's is located at A328 Veterans Highway, Suite E in Millersville. Be sure to call and check out all their service specials related to your automotive needs. Stauffer's is professional, friendly, and has highly qualified mechanics to do excellent work with prices that are fair and much better than what you will find at other automotive places. So call 410-729-0121. That's 410-729-0121. And tell them the newsman and his trusty sidekick, Neko, sent you You wanted to see me, sir. Sit down, Kurt. Thank you, Coach. I prefer to stand. All right. Go ahead, then. Tell me. Tell you what? Why, a team worth $800 million. One of the most complex offenses ever built. Should put you in the driver's seat. You're too old to be a rookie. Too green to be a pro. So why in the world would I give you this shot? All my life, I've defined myself through sports. I've always come up empty. Coach, I can win for you. You need to start thinking about life after football, son. We gave you that chance. We're letting you go. I was meant for something. Something more. You think you could be that guy? Yeah, I do. What are you doing here? I wasn't ready for it, but I am now. You defied all odds. I've waited for it. I've bled for it. I know who I am, and I know why I'm here. If you give me a chance... Green went down hard and is not getting up. I will not let you down. Special about you, son. Destiny. Go on, so the younger does. You want to prove that? All right. Neko's got confusion on her face, but trust me, it is worth it because. On Christmas Day of this year, American Underdog, the Kurt Warner story, will hit theaters. And it's even better because Warner's being played by Zachary Levy, who played Chuck. Yes! And his wife, Brenda, would played Anna Paquin. Uh, Dick Vermeil, played by Dennis Quaid. Yes! <laughs> Even more so! We've got more Chuck on the way. Terry Allen, played by Adam Baldwin. Colonel Casey's in the house. And, of course, I'm not sure why they took a, another former football player, Nick Harris. But he'll be betraying Ray Lewis in this film. Ray probably could have did it. I don't know why they didn't ask him. I, who knows? But, but Ray might have a full-time... He's got... He's busy, dude. Yeah, he's got shit to do. But, uh... Yeah, so I, I know that... Like, we're not Rams fans or Cardinal fans or anything like that, but... Kurt Warner 
But Warner was a very cool story, and once she'll get a chance to see the trailer, like, she couldn't see it visually, which is kind of, you know, hard to do when you're trying to follow it, but the story of Kurt Warner is actually a very good one, and a guy who basically was, as they put it in the premise, stocking shelves at a store, grocery store, before he got the call to play. He was actually backing up Trent Green of the Rams at the time, and then Green got hurt, and that's when Kurt came in. The rest was history at that point. Uh, the greatest show on turf was born, basically, uh, with Kurt Warner, who ended up going to two Super Bowls with two different teams. He was the first guy to do that. Didn't win with the Cardinals. They, uh, they ended up losing to the Steelers, I believe, that year on the last second play. But, um, yeah, very incredible story. Uh, very good actors and actresses in this. Um, I'm kind of excited to see it. I'm not sure what the whole Christmas Day part of it is, but who knows. Because um, there's always like a, a big movie that comes out on Christmas Day. Um, yeah, usually it's like Star Wars or some shit. But So, he was released from the Packers, and he went... That's right, he was in the arena football. I forgot about that. Yeah, yeah. But, uh, yeah, I just I thought it was really cool because uh, Zachary Levy is a really good actor. Mm -hmm. He's done a lot of smaller roles like we've seen in the Marvel movies with Thor and all that. Uh, but, you know, it's going to be interesting seeing him portray. He was, in, he was in The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel mm -hmm. as, as her boyfriend for a hot second, and you wouldn't even know it was him. Like, the way that they had him, like, done up and everything. Right. He's the only player inducted to both the Pro Football Hall of Fame and the Arena Football Hall of Fame. Yeah, he put up amazing numbers in the Arena League. And, of course, once he got to the NFL, you know, it, it, it's always said that it's sometimes harder for these players to make it from the Arena League team and the pros. But the caveats that are obviously Warner and also Doug Flutie, who had some success in the NFL after coming back. Like, he got drafted in the NFL didn't work out with the Bears and then went to Arena League or maybe it was Canadian football. I can't remember where Doug played, but he did very well there and then came back and played for both the Chargers and I want to say the Bills for a while. So he, he did all right, you know. Um, but Warner's story is just amazing. And I, I kind of remember back because I saw the trailer and uh, Anna had cut her hair much like Br uh, Brenda did. And I know there was some, like, mean things said about her around the time, you know, trying to bust on his wife and everything. I thought that was unnecessary stuff. What do you mean? Uh, when Warner was having success with the Rams, you know, they would show his wife in the stands, almost like the Any Given Sunday with uh -huh. Quaid's character and his wife. But, uh, you know, I don't know. I, I think, I do remember, I think they were very Christian, religious, and I think part of that kind of irked some people. So, I don't know. But they used to really bust on his wife a lot because of how she looked or whatever. And I thought that was really unnecessary. And, you know, it just makes no sense, really. But, uh, you and I love sports movies in general. This one's one that we'll probably mostly really like. Oh, that's right. I forgot about Maddie Liner, who, you know, <laughs> went nowhere. Which is sad because I really had high hopes for him. But Warner's like, can't keep me down. Hmm. Yeah, it's really weird because with that group, you had Liner, you had um, uh, Vince Young from Texas, because you and I stayed up one night real late 
watching the USC Texas game, national championship game, Texas won. Uh, and then of course you had Jay Cutler in that group that we drafted that year, and none of them ended up panning out. I mean, Jay probably went the furthest as far as playoffs are concerned, but uh, ultimately fizzled out as well. So uh, that was a weird draft class. We thought, oh yeah, this is the next 1983 with Elway and. Uh, you know, the rest of these guys, Marino and them, you know, but nope. <laughs> no can do. So, be looking for that. Christmas Day, American Underdog, the Kurt Warner story. I'm really excited about that. Yeah. I, I, I don't understand, though, like, the whole, they, they gave his wife a bunch of shit. Like, I, I don't understand. Like, what did she do? I mean, might have to, you could probably Google that. I'm going to have to, because, like, you said that they've been together for a long time oh yeah yeah and i you know it's funny because i just i can't remember what really tipped it off but it, it kind of reminds me of a parallel with dennis quaid's character in any given sunday and uh lauren or was it lauren holly is that her name she's but she but she yeah. but uh you know like she was kind of like because we always make fun of it like you got five good years so I think that his wife was really involved with his, you know, support and his life as a professional. I think maybe she spoke more than most kinds of like, you know, usually you don't have the wife speaking. So I, I don't know, at the time it seemed like she was getting media attention for whatever reason. and people. Oh were, my God. Huh. So in 96, they were, they were living in, in her parents' basement? Mm-hmm. Her parents were killed during a tornado. Oh, wow. Holy shit. So, apparently, she was a Marine. His wife. Maybe just because she's a little bit, like, I don't know, well, tough looking or something. Yeah, well, that's I, what it is. Yeah, I think because of the short hair kind of made like butch or whatever and people she was, she, she was um it says that she had been left brain damaged oh one of the children that she had had been left brain damaged and blind after being accidentally dropped by her ex-husband mm. so she was yeah she was divorced with two kids they were living with her parents he got cut from the from the Packers, it was tough that her parents die in a tornado. They've got they got one kid who's uh, kind of brain damaged and blind. Um, well, I know that they were always very active with uh, I forget what causes, but it's all about the kids. It's sort of like uh, John Lynch and them, you know, uh -huh. when, they, when they do the speaking about. Yeah, you've got kid, kid, autistic kid or whatever. You know, it's sort of like along that lines. Uh, he was; they were very active in that. Um, Kurt's a good dude; like he really is. And mm -hmm. I mean, come on now. He he married her after her parents died, adopted both of her children from her first marriage, and they have five more kids. <laughs> like, so they've got this big happy family. And it started off rough for both of them. She had a bad first marriage. He lost his job and he was stocking shelves at a grocery store. Like, yeah. you know, it's, it's going to be good. 
Yeah. It really will be yeah. Yeah. It's got a good cast and uh, it's a great story, so I'm looking forward to it for sure. All right. Let's... Oh wait a minute. We um. What? He's on. He's an announcer. We see him a lot on TV. Oh yeah, yeah. He's uh. I, mean, I forget what network. It might be Fox or something. But uh, he's he's been on there. Yeah, definitely. He's always doing. He was on with Brian Greasy the other day, wasn't he? No, uh, not on the Monday Nighter. Um, it might have been a Sunday night he was there. No, because that was Steve Young and him. But um, he's definitely on like Fox or CBS or something. He's he's definitely on the panel of one of those. Like oh, yeah. there's so many now. Uh, but yeah, he's a good commentator too. He doesn't really. I don't think he really calls the games. He just he's, not the he's an analyst. Yeah, he's you know, the, he just he's an analyst. He's not like Tony Romo. I, I want to say NFL Network is where he's at. I think. I think he's on there. But, I love Tony Romo as the color commentator. So good, dude. He is so good. <laughs> I don't know why. He's just good. He just, like, makes comments. It, well, you know, and I always, and I know it sounds bad saying this way, like, he was your above average quarterback. Like, he was along the Jay Cutler or Vinny Testaverde where, like, he made some great plays, but then he made some really boneheaded plays. But when you listen to him speak on game days during the games, the dude has the fucking knowledge. Like, he knows what he's talking about. And this is the thing. Trent Dilfer wasn't the greatest quarterback either, but he knows how to talk about the game. They know they understand everything, the X's and O's, all that. So You know, sometimes execution is not always 100%. <laughs> no offense to Collinsworth, but... He isn't as in-depth as Tony is with it, and that's the thing that makes Tony pretty uh, important or uh, draws people to him, because everyone I've ever heard speak about Tony Romer love him as a commentator. Like it's, I do. I, I mean, I get really happy for these guys, you know. Um, yeah, because if they don't necessarily make it to that echelon yeah, as far you're, as, you're like, not up in the, uh, Super Bowl guy. Yeah, Peyton Manning, the... Uh, right. Tom Brady like level but you're not bad you're not like being and sometimes it's just all about chemistry and where you're at like put Tony Romo in in New England does he get Super Bowl maybe yeah Yeah. so I mean it all depends on where you're at too so that's the other part of it like we don't ever really think about that it's like sometimes we always kind of joke uh you know, now it's called Las Vegas, but Oakland's where you go to die as a player, or Cleveland or something, you know, it's like, eh, you don't want to go there, but they're going to pay me all this money, you know, so. Uh-huh. All right, let's get back into some music. Let's get back into it. Thanks some, for sharing that. Now sure. I'm, I'm looking at all the Kurt Warner yeah. stuff. <laughs> Here is some uh, black metal coming our way with brand new stuff from Pestilential Shadows and Graveland and some classic Vim Fattori. Here's Pestilential Shadows, the Sword of Democles. What's that word? Pestilential Shadows. What the fuck is pestilential? What, pestilential? Yeah,
everyone, this is Blake from Pig Destroyer. Hey, Beak and Zell R.I.P. And you are listening to DJ Anubis and DJ Neko at Metal Tavern Radio. Get into it now. DJ Nibis. And DJ Neko. Here with you. Getting ready to do our horror movies of the 1990s tier rankings. And uh, I, I notice as we go along, the lists are getting bigger and bigger because I think we just end up watching either we like more from, which it doesn't make any sense that we like more from modern day horror, but I think during the 90s. There was like so many good movies that, even though the '80s and '70s had a lot of good stuff, some of that stuff just you know you can kind of forget about. But you you explained earlier that you had a bunch of movies where you don't really remember them, but or haven't seen them, which I know I put some in the list because of their importance to the genre itself during that time. You haven't had a chance to see anything, so you kind of just put in the average until you can get around to it or whatever, and then you make your final decisions then. And you, as far as our poor, our poor uh, tier, yours is different than mine. Yours is actually, it's really bad. Me, it's more like I can either take it or leave it. Like, it doesn't matter to me. It's just, I don't really consider it really horrible unless I say it's horrible. Uh, for you, it's different. <laughs> it is. If it's bad, it's bad. Um, as with the other two ones that we did for the 80s and 70s, Nick and I did one particular list, and then I did my own second list, which I added, like, another bunch of movies to, which I'll post the day we do the posting of this. The movies that you and I did do for this are as follows. Arachnophobia, Flatliners, Graveyard Shift, Nightbreed, Tremors, the People Under the Stairs, mm-hmm. Silence of the Lambs, Army of Darkness, Bram Stoker's Dracula, Buffy the Vampire Slayer, Candyman, Dr. Giggles, Full Eclipse, Leprechaun, Cemetery Man, Interview with the Vampire, Wes Craven's New Nightmare, Wolf, Demon Knight, Lord of Illusions, The Prophecy, Species, Tales from the Hood, Bad Moon, The Craft, From Dust Till Dawn, Scream, An American World from Paris, Anaconda, Cube, Event Horizon, I Know What You Did Last Summer, Mimic, The Relic, The Ugly, Wishmaster, Deep Rising, The Faculty, Strangeland, Urban Legend, Audition, The Blair Witch Project, Deep Blue Sea, House on Hill Hill, the remake, Lake Placid, and Stir of Echoes. So, let's start with our poor list as we usually do. And what did you have? Alright, let me pull up my image. I'll start then while you're doing that. Alright, I have it up. Oh, you got Okay. Yeah, I just minimized it for a second. I think it's easier to look at it because I saved the image. Right. And it's like a little bit bigger. Hmm. So, for my poor list... Um, 
I have Anaconda because it was probably one of the worst movies I've ever seen in my entire. But you did point out while we were talking about that the cool scene with the guy who got eaten by the snake and then thrown back up. Right. But it's just like it's bad acting. Although I wonder. I think Anaconda came out before Deep Rising. There's a summer scene to that. I like Deep Rising's better, but uh, what was the other one you had? Um, Mimic. Yeah, I think you said you hadn't seen that, but when I described what the movie's about, you're like, yeah, I'm not even gonna see it. It's yeah, yeah. it's no interest to you. Uh, bugs and all that sorts of shit mm-hmm. going on. Uh, in my poor list, and again, this is just based on. It's not necessarily mean it's like terrible, terrible. Just like I don't think any of these films are like downright bad. I just I could care less about them in the future. Like they're just come and gone. Uh, Blair Witch Project. You have that in your horror list? Yes. Very overrated by so many people. Uh, Urban Legend. The Craft. And Anaconda. No, we both agree on... You have The Craft? Wow. I mean, again, when I stack it up against everything else, I just can't have it there. Can't do it. Can't do it. Just can't do it, son. Can't do it. All right, so your average list is pretty big, but again, as we pointed out, some of these you hadn't seen. Some of you have, like, you don't remember Event Horizon, but I'm sure you've seen it. But go ahead and give them a breakdown for what you got in there. Um, you probably won't recognize the first one, Strange Land. Yeah, is that the with the blue face? Mm-hmm. Um, that was the Z Snyder. That's all based off Captain Howdy. Yeah, I don't remember it. I actually had that on VHS somewhere. <laughs> uh, Cube. Very cool movie. Very clever. Wait a minute. I feel like I've seen it now that I think about it's it. It's where the people are abducted and thrown into this, basically holding cell. They have game, to figure. Yeah, they, they have to figure a way to get out. All yeah. right. Well, it's still average. If if I just remembered it, we've been talking about <laughs> it for three days. That's how I know it's well, average. you and I talked a little bit when you were making this, and there's like a few in this particular list that you'd probably move if you've seen them. Like, you had never seen Wolf with Jack Nicholson and Michelle Pfeiffer, and that movie is... And we tried to watch it, too, because I I like them both a lot. It's a great... Like, you wouldn't think for, like, a werewolf movie that'd be very good, but it was top-notch. Uh, Cube is another one. That was in the film right after that, which you probably can't read. It's always hard with these pictures. The People Under the Stairs. Uh, very clever and fun movie. I believe that's also another Stephen King book. <laughs> I don't remember it. I, mean, I don't think, I, I don't think I, you've seen it because most people don't really talk about it. But uh, it's one I, of those ones that fly under the radar all the time. I feel like I would... Uh, I, I feel like I've heard of it and people... like have made mention about it but I personally well the basis synopsis of it all is this black kid sneaks his way into this home and uh, discovers a girl who's hidden within the walls and so but he can't get out because the parents and I can't remember if they're just step parents or real parents but <laughs> they're uh, they're very mean people and the guy I can't remember his his actor's name, but he was in Silver Bullet. He played the werewolf in Silver Bullet. Uh, he dresses up in his gimp suit and treat you know his 
the wife treats him kind of like... Bring a, out the gimp. Right. But he's spending most of his time trying to hunt down this black kid and the girl. And they discover there's more kids locked away in a cellar somewhere. And it, they're kind of like misformed uh, just because they've been down there eating rats and shit. And so, it, But there's a lot of comedy involved and it's just really fun. Um, the next one's Deep Blue Sea. I know you've seen it. You said you could either take it or leave it with that. The shark movie. Yeah, I actually did see that, and I'm kind of like, mm. <laughs> it's not. Uh, I I mean, Event Horizon. You didn't remember. Yeah, I didn't remember that. Full Eclipse. You did watch it. Me, we did a review of that. Are you looking at the um same picture as me? The one next to the two guys with the one guy. Yeah. yeah who's that? That's Mario Van Peebles there. What is that? Full Eclipse. So one where the guys inject the werewolf oh, serum. Oh yeah, I found it very like that. Literally, I remember watching it we wa i've watched it one time and i find it very average like i literally don't and deep rising we already talked about that yeah you haven't seen that which oh you might i think you've seen it but you just don't know the shark one no it's the one i was telling you where the giant uh octopus type thing takes over the cruise ship and has a uh, fan jensen in it and oh. Uh, Ugly you have not seen, at least for not a long time. Lord of Illusion, I don't think you saw. Mm -mm. Urban Legend you may have seen at some point. It was a late 90s movie. Uh, during the whole, like, I know what you did last summer at Scream Fest. They were doing all these films. Mm -hmm. The Prophecy with Christopher Walken, you probably haven't seen. was good. Graveyard Shift, you don't remember. I'm pretty sure you watched it with me. Cemetery Man, I know you haven't seen, which you would love. Wolf, you would love. Demon Knight, you would love. Relic. Wait a minute! Didn't we just watch Demon Knight? Mm -mm. That was a that was a Night of the Demons. Oh, that we watched. oh okay. <laughs> this is the Tales from the Crypt Demon Knight. This was something totally different. Oh, okay, I don't I don't remember it if I've seen it. Uh, the Relic was the last one on your list with that. Uh, that's a really good movie, uh, but I don't think you've seen that either. Uh, as far as my average list, and again, this is just other films I thought were better. Uh, Strange Land. Uh, American Wolf in Paris, Buffy the Vampire Slayer, Flatliners, Full Eclipse, Lord of Illusions, Graveyard Shift, Leprechaun, uh, I Know What You Did Last Summer, Species, The Prophecy, Demon Knight, Tales from the Hood, and Relic. Wow, we, we differ in our 90s horror. Yes, we do. A lot. Alright, let's go to your good list. Okay, so I'm having, you heard me sneeze before yeah. the thing started. I don't know what this is. Wishmaster. Yes. Bad Moon. I Know What You Did Last Summer. Nightbreed. Nightbreed. And then Arachnophobia. Yes. So I'll, I'll I mean, enjoy These are so small. Like, yeah. I can hardly read them. Yeah, it is tough. Uh, for me and my good list, Cube, People Under the Stairs, <laughs> Missy's going to shoot me for this one, Interview with a Vampire, Deep Blue Sea. That's the shark one. Yeah. Where uh, did I put that? You put that in the average. Okay, yeah, it belongs there. Uh, Event Horizon, Wishmaster, The Ugly, Mimic, Wes Craven's New Nightmare, Nightbreed, the Faculty, Arachnophobia, 
and the remake of House on High Hill. Those were in my my good list. Now go to Neko's great list. So my great list <laughs> is Buffy, An American Werewolf in Paris, Lake Placid, Dr. Giggles, Leprechaun, Blair Witch, I don't know what this is. Audition. Oh, oh yeah, Audition. <laughs> uh, from Dust Till Dawn, The Faculty, House on Haunted Hill, and The Crack. Now, curious, what did you like a lot about American Wolf in Paris? Um, Not that it's a bad film, but I'm curious what really... Because you put it in the good list, right? Great. A great list, so... So, I really like the lead actor. Mm-hmm. He, um, he didn't do a whole lot. Like, he did a couple of movies in the 90s, but... This came out right after that movie um, with Tom Hanks, That Thing You Do. Mm -hmm. And he was the drummer in oh, okay. that movie. And I was, like, obsessed with that movie, That Thing You Do. And when this came out, I kind of became obsessed with this movie, too. But he was just, like, so funny. And, like, his little werewolf uh, buddy ghost and everything. Like, I just really like him and I probably had like a girl crush you know like because I was young I was I mean it had to be like wait maybe like 97 when it came out if yeah that. yeah yeah the funny thing about it, it I have it in my averages but it there is I do have a soft spot for it because it, not only him he's very comedic but it also has Julie Delby from Killing Zoe in it um oh yeah that's right that the, the woman is mm -hmm. really good too but the werewolves look because they went CGI with it was not very good. That was more my letdown part. And then I think I haven't seen it in a while, and I think maybe I would feel differently about the because we've seen some good transformation scenes. Like yeah, I mean for me, you know, CGI is okay. When we, I think, did you ever see uh, Hugh Jackman in uh, Van Helsing? When he's transformed to a werewolf, that was fine because I like the werewolf look. Um, we always talk about like we just watched that stupid movie, and like the overuse of CGI. Yeah, yeah. Like you, there is a time and a place for CGI. Like right. CGI can be used and used well. Uh, Jurassic Park. Do you think there were really fucking dinosaurs running around on on set? No, there right. wasn't. But you you know you have to use it. Uh, the shit. Apparently. The the fifth element. You know that you know half of that shit is CGI and half of it is like half and half where it's like they're CGIing over top of of their uh, costumes and right. um, making them enhanced. Yeah, and, it, and you know, back to Paris, like, it, it's not as scary as London in some sense, but the one thing they did capitalize on was the comedic, comedic part about it because, of the again, like London, once he kills someone, they come back to haunt him, basically, and there's a scene where <laughs> it's the, the one girl that he was on a date with that he ends up killing... Uh, She's trying to get him to kill himself or get killed. So he's trying to drive her into traffic. So it's very funny. And she has like blood squirting out of her neck or some shit while she's trying to talk and get him to get thrown in front of a car or whatever. But it, it has some moments and like I that. I remember like the part where 
the girl werewolf is like, you're a werewolf. He's like, yeah, I am. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He's like touching her breast. You know? He's like, yeah, it's such a great thing. That's, that's the funny part of it because it, it works. It's not as good as it's never going to be in my top five. But if I had to enjoy one of those off-tier werewolf movies, that would probably be one of them. In my great list... Oh, you don't question my, my Buffy in my great list? No, not really. Um, you know, it's a fun movie. Uh, it was one of the first movies that I saw alone at the movies. And I, did I mean, that. there was the one good scene where Luke Perry was eating a sandwich. like, yeah, you know, yeah, he's trying to talk. Well, And, of course, Paul Rubin. Yes. And Roger Hauer. Mm-hmm. And Paul Rubin is like, ugh. Uh, Oh, uh, 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 yeah. But see, for me, like... And wasn't Donald Sutherland the yes, slayer? Yeah, yes, yes, yeah, yeah. he was uh, her watcher. Yeah. So, like, I think I was 12. I wasn't quite 13 yet. And this was a PG-13 movie. And... Snuck in? No, my dad dropped, let my sister... See, this is what I mean, like, things around here have changed quite a bit. Because... You know over where the Walmart, the shitty Walmart is, that Mm -hmm. used to be a movie theater. And we used to go all the time. Like, my parents would drop us off, and it was inexpensive. It was one of those, um, you know, the other movie theater that we go to that's like the $2 movie theater, and then you get the giant thing of popcorn for like a dollar. It was like that. And, you know, it's very close. So we would meet friends there, and they they would we would get this cartoon sized drink, and they're every time we're like, "Can I please have a small?" And they're like, "For a quarter more, you can get the medium, and it holds twice as much." So you have yeah. this fucking like it's like the size of your thing that you take to work to drink water out of of soda, and then this cartoonishly large bucket of popcorn. And they used to that's the other thing too at that other movie theater that we'd like. It's an older movie theater. They make their they made their popcorn there, so it was like real fresh popcorn. A lot of these AMCs and stuff, they ship it in. Shipped in. Yeah, it's not fresh popcorn. So we would, and it wasn't a big theater. It only had like maybe four, you know, things. So it was the first PG thirteen movie that I was allowed to go to alone with my sister, and my parents were perfectly fine with dropping an eleven and twelve year old off at a movie theater and picking us up after the movie was over and did not worry about our safety at all. Which is very surprising because you know that area over there now and I don't even like going there by myself now. So it, it has, Buffy has a real soft spot. Well, I remember seeing it in a theater and I enjoyed it enough. Um, but I remember a couple years later when the TV series kicked off and I was like, I had actually initially said, well, is uh, Chrissy Swanson going to be Buffy? And they're like, no, you got this Sarah Michelle Gellar actress doing it. I'm like, I don't know if I don't like it. But I ended up liking the TV series more than the movie, at least until season four or five before Don showed up and kind of threw everything into a weird loop there. But uh, it's a decent enough movie. I, I have no problem sitting down watching it. It's up there with American World from Paris, one with the average list, as far as like I can just take it or leave it. Um, my great list, and Nico again will probably throw some shit at me. Um, 
Silence of the Lambs. <laughs> Scream. Wolf. Stir of Echoes. Audition. From Dust Till Dawn. Cemetery Man and oh my god, Tremors. All on the great list. Let's move to Neko's Best. And she's got a doozy of them in there. I do have a lot of best. But I think, uh... Okay, so... You and I have about three that are same. So that's what's cool about these lists. So, clearly, Silence of the Lambs <laughs> is, like, the number one, number one. Army of Darkness. I can't tell what that is. Tales from the Hood. Tales from the Hood. Interview with the Vampire. I don't know what the next one Flatliners. is. Flatliners. Flatliners. Love, love. Flat. I don't know how many times I watch Flatliners. See, some of these movies, though, like, like Buffy is really not a scary movie to me. Oh, yeah. Well, that's the thing. Like, there's a Lake lot more. Placid is not a scary movie. There's more comedy movie. than Cemetery Man's the same way. It's Army of Darkness, it doesn't scare me, but I can see how it is portrayed as a horror movie because you've got, like, the skeletons and stuff. Demons and whatnot, yeah. Oh, uh, Scream, big deal for me. In high school. Big, big deal. Stir of Echoes. Very good film. It's fucking crazy-ass movie. Like, watch, I think we just watched it on a whim one time, and it was like one of our favorite movies at that point. I love it. I mean, we got I got two Kevin Bacons here in my in my top best. Mm. Also got Tremors later on. Yeah. Um, Dracula, which... Gary Oldman, we on a writer. Dude, I don't know how many times I've watched that movie... And I went to see it in the theater with like, some friends from work when I was working at the Naval Exchange back then. And, dude, it was packed. Packed. So good. So fucking good. Like, he is... Gary Oldman's just like... He's one of those actors. He can really, like... He can do anything. I'm trying to think of something else. Like, he was in The Fifth Element. Well, I just remembered, like... When we went to see, well, we, well, I don't think we saw it in the theater, we saw it at home or whatever, but Batman Begins, Commissioner Gordon, I didn't even yeah, know it was him. Yeah, I didn't even him. know it was him. Or, didn't even uh, know it was him. Severus, uh, not Severus, um, Sirius Black and Harry Potter. Yeah, like, I didn't just, know it was him. Yeah, it's like, he he does a lot of different stuff. Even I think even when someone pointed to me, is like, well, yeah, did you like my true romance? I'm like, oh my god, that was him, no was shit. Him. So, yeah. Um, Candyman, 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 mm -hmm. Candyman, Candyman, Candyman. Bees. Be my victim. Be my victim. Um, New Nightmare. Mm hmm I said it already. Trevor. Trivia, I know for that. The young boy in that, uh, was the same one who was the young boy in Rats and, uh, Lay It Down video. The birthday boy. And New Nightmare. Oh, really? Yeah. Interesting. Um, Tremors, I was telling Anubis this. I don't think it's a horror movie at all. I think it's <laughs> not. I, I mean, like, it's hard for me because... It, it, well, it's hard overall because you could literally go and you mentioned that we should probably do this with some other genres like action or whatever, and that's fine. But you could literally go and find, like, a whole separate ranking tier of like horror comedy versus just horror scary mm -hmm. and you could do it that way but i mean i think of it more of 
like an action movie. I mean... It is in some ways. I mean, I know it has monsters. So is Aliens, I mean... But Aliens is, is pretty terrifying. It can be. Um, now... Sometimes it's a mood. Like, you really, when you think about it, Tremors happens mostly in the day. So when you, you think about how you are affected by movies in general like if you watch a horror movie during the day you're not as apt to be scared at night though when it's dark and you know it sets a whole different mood so i mean for me with tremors i don't know how many times that's another one i've watched like over and over my girlfriend and well I... fuck you <laughs> kevin bacon <laughs> i i don't like i saw this movie Probably, like, when it came out, like, in 1990. Oh, yeah. Um. I didn't know a fucking thing about it. I just went and watched it. Yeah, it was on HBO. Like, this is how... I went to the theater, and I'm like... I came out, I was like... I had not heard anything about this, dude. This movie was awesome. (laughs) So... I don't know, like... Nowadays, I feel like... Everything that kids... Now, granted... I do think there should be a little bit of a restriction on things with children, clearly. But, like, Charles is rated R, isn't it? Yeah. I watched that... I watched a lot of this stuff underage, clearly. Um, I... My girlfriend and I watched this, and we turned it into a game. It was the Tremor... Now... You, you youngins now call it the floor is lava. We call it the tremors game where you're not supposed to touch the ground or or the tremors will get well, you. Well, some of us go way further and go try and get out of the water for Jaws gets you. <laughs> Jaws gets you. But we used to do that. Like, we would do our own little version of parkour and we'd climb across all the furniture and, you know, fall and bust our ass and then the tremors are getting you and you die. But I watched a lot of this stuff um, you know, on HBO, my my parents gave me a TV in our basement. Free range. Free range. I'm talking watching things that I like Poltergeist, which scared shit out of me, but I should never watch, but I did anyway. Or fucking uh, Roadhouse, or you know things that that children should not be watching. And I don't know if that's a bad thing or. If that's just like there's a lot of difference in parenting now um i think kids get a lot more censored when they're younger but then as they get older and you put a a a phone in their hand or a tablet in their hand and they're on youtube they see plenty Mm -hmm. shit just auto plays and auto plays and so i don't know i a lot of the stuff that i read books or watched movies I kind of mimicked off of my uh, my grandmother, who she was really... Your grandmother sounds like she'd be a blast. My mom, like, I mean, I was only 12 when she died, but she told me, like, she was a lot like me. You know, like, she... she I would have been sitting there watching horror movies all day with her. <laughs> she, like, come on, Grams, let's watch this. It's really bad, but we're going to like it. Oh, she, she probably has seen a lot of this stuff, and I didn't even know it. Like, she... Like, interviewed the vampire, she was already passed when that came, but she read it, you know. I, that was a, I mean, it was a book in the 70s, like, I remember... I was watching... Looking at it, like, my babysitter had been reading it, and I'm like, well, what's this? And she's like, oh, it's a book by Anne Rice. I'm like, oh, 
I was watching some of my old um, home movies, and she was, my grandmother was reading Queen of the Damned. Like, it was just, you know, my mom's like, oh, she would, she would definitely be up there singing karaoke with you, and she would have definitely, like, really gotten a kick out of, like, this and that, and, but she, she died. Was she on your mom's side? My mom's mom. She died in 92. Um. Yeah. So what was your last one in the best list? Species. Good film. I actually rewatched that recent thing you did we with me. We watched it together, yeah. Uh, I mean, I still give it like a 10 out of 10. Even though I had it in my average list, it's it's only because it has some slow moments in it. It's still a very good film. Um, I don't know if it's something I would watch on the regular, and that's why. Like, my best list for me is kind of like your poor list, like... To me, the best list is any I can watch at any time, straight through, no problems, no fillers, no nothing. Mm-hmm. And in my best list, Army of Darkness. Mm-hmm. I'm going to start with the ones that you had similar to me. Mm-hmm. Dracula, mm-hmm. Easy Money. Candyman, mm-hmm. definitely. The other ones I have in there is Dr. Giggles, Lake Placid, Deep Rising, and Bad Moon. You had it down at average, I think, or good. I think it was in your good list. Yes, it was in good. So, uh... Yeah, you were, like, some of my favorite. Yeah, it's top five horror, uh, werewolf horror. So, like, werewolves movies are harder to... Well, not harder, but easier to rank because there's just so little of them that I like. I mean, Mm -hmm. people will argue all day about movies like Late Phases or this or that, but Mm -hmm. I'm like, nah, nah. I mean, for me, it's like American Werewolf, Howling, Dog Soldiers, Bad Moon, um, Silver Bullet, and there's one other one I just can't think of at the moment, but like, or Ginger Snaps. Those are all kind of like in the oh, yeah, top yeah, five yeah. area, but you know what I mean? So. I mean, I like I liked Ginger Snaps, but. Well, we'll get to that because that's from 2000 to 2010, so we'll definitely be getting to that movie at some point. But as usual, this was a lot of fun. I like doing this. I do too. Um, plus, I like the idea of, at some point, hopefully, letting you get to see, like, something like Wolf, I think you would really enjoy. Because, like I said, James Spader's in that as well. I mean, his, he's a, a rival to Jack Nicholson's character in the film. And it's, I'm just going to give you a little bit of a clip here. After Jack gets bit, uh, he sleeps really well overnight. He's almost like you. He, he wakes up the next day, his wife's waking him up, she's like, you're going to be late for work. And he's like, hmm, I don't care, okay. So she leaves to go to work, and he goes back to sleep, and he gets up at night. And he, uh, he, he gets up, and he, he starts sniffing around his wife's clothes. Now, keep in mind, Nicholson's character is a book writer, mm-hmm. or a publicist. And Spader is his rival at the work. And he... Nicholson at that point before he gets bit is you know he's feeling old and fatigued mm-hmm. and, and Spader's taken over like as a, either the boss or he's like you know lead publicist or something something that just moves Nicholson's character down. So the next time when you know Nicholson's been bitten he's feeling revived and revigorated. Mm-hmm. He starts sniffing around his wife's clothes and he he starts really like running down the street not so much where it's obvious but he's just kind of like. And he goes, he ends up at Spader's house. Oh, so he smells him. 
So he, Spader opens the door, and he walks in, and, you know, just Spader's carriage is like, hey, what's going on, you know? And then his wife comes out from the top of the stairway. She had been having an affair with the guy. Oh, shit! So, yeah. So that's sort of what leads at some point where Nicholson starts meets Michelle Pfeiffer's character, and then that relationship starts working its way through there. But uh, there's just a great moment where both Nicholson and uh, Spader are in the bathroom. This is before the wife thing. And <laughs> they're taking a fizz. And then all of a sudden, Jack's just like, starts peeing on his shoes. And James is like, what are you doing? He's like, I'm just, he's like, I'm just marking my territory. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's a brilliant movie. You wouldn't think because it's Nicholson and all this, and you know, it's not necessarily scary. It's not. Um, there's there's definitely werewolf transformation. It's more like Wolfman type stuff, mm -hmm. but just great acting. Mm -hmm. like, you just you can't really get around it. It's just so good. Uh, so definitely something you need to see at some point. Cemetery Man, same thing. Uh, guy is a caretaker of a cemetery. Falls in love with a girl. I forget how it happens, but she dies, and then he tries to bring her back as a corpse. Sometimes <laughs> dead is better. Right, so it's just... But Wait he, a minute, you didn't put Pet cemetery? That's 80s, we did that. Oh, we did, didn't yeah, we? I'm, yeah. I'm getting all fucking confused. Yeah, it, well, there's that, that cross on, because I think it was like 89 for Pet cemetery, so it was close. But. I know my grandmother saw that, she was still alive for that. Sometimes dead is better. So, yeah, I don't know... We'll see if we can get to 2000, 2010 next time. If not, we'll definitely have it down the road. Yeah, because there is more to look at and go through, I often have to make sure we plan it out right and all that. So, uh, But that was a lot of fun, a lot of good blast there with that. In our next music block, New Coffin Rites and Lassie Shroud, a band I really like. I think it's actually one artist. But first... But first, there's more. But wait... A friend request from Kevin Tarrant. A friend request? Tombstone Blue, Coke and Brandy, coming your way right I
Hail from Montreal, Canada. This is Bobby G from Mad Parish. You're listening to Metal Tavern Radio. What's that? Actually, we are getting ready to jump into our rock block! Got some stuff from Six String PR Inverse Records in here, as well as some new stuff from uh, Leprous and Incubus Succubus. Also got Necklace Pick of the Week, or aka Noobs Pick of the Week. <laughs> but I think it'll be a lot of fun. A lot of surprises throwing out Necklace today. Also got some classic stuff from Bad Lizard in here. Kick it off with some six string uh, PR here with some over forward. It's called Let It Burn. We'll be back. Trust us, we'll be back.
Out of air, out of air, everywhere. Alive. 
looking for a place to take care of all your automotive needs? Then get in touch with Stauffer's Auto Service in Millersville, Maryland. Stauffer's takes care of all auto repairs, auto service, and great quality parts as well. Stauffer's is located at 8328 Veterans Highway, Suite E in Millersville. Be sure to call and check out all their service specials related to your automotive needs. Stauffer's is professional, friendly, and has highly qualified mechanics to do excellent work with prices that are fair and much better than what you would find at other automotive places. So call 410-729-0121. That's 410-729-0121. And tell them the newsman and his trusty sidekick, Neko, sent you
Bad Lizard with Mistake. And here we are. Ah, uh, yeah. Not my pick of the week. <laughs> oh, but she will like. She will like. What if I hate it? Uh, I guess then you'll just have to suck it up, Buttercup. <laughs> this is what happens, folks, when you don't keep me updated. She doesn't take this podcast seriously like I do. I'm sorry. I'm bad. <laughs> I'm fucking with her. She does enjoy doing this. She just pretends she doesn't. <laughs> so. Maybe if you would let me win every now and then. <laughs> oh, yeah. We're back to racquetball here. Or crack addiction. My crackball. Crackball. So. Anyway, like, initially I, might, I was going to go with maybe just a different rock tune because she didn't update her list yet, but I was thinking, I was like, man, you know, we haven't played this in a long time, and it got me thinking about when we first started dating, like, oh, how God. we used to sit and watch my music DVDs, and you were checking out different bands and songs, and ours, one of them we came across that she was intrigued by was Mortis, and, uh, song I selected was Parasite God. Oh, yeah! So, I thought it was kind of cool, and uh, she was really into it, and the whole aesthetics and his look. Yeah, I've, I've always been really into theatrics. Like, if you have, like, if you own your, like, ghost, King Diamond, like, you're never going to see them just walking around. Because they own their, their shtick, basically. Right, and you know, and he used to be a member of Emperor, and you know, now he's doing his own thing, and it was like a lot different than what he was doing with Emperor, so. But the, you know, the lyrical content, the the imagery, and the video, and of course, again, back to us, he's dressing up as a troll. Mm -hmm. uh, it was all very interesting, and you know, when you look at him, and you're like saying, you're not really sure you didn't if you haven't heard what the music is. You're kind of like, wow, you wouldn't expect this from the guy that looks like this to sing this. So, uh, yeah, I thought it was kind of cool to go back and revisit this song. Anything to add, Miss Neko? I like this song a lot. It's been a while. Yeah. Honestly. So yeah, I think that would be pretty badass. So let's roll into it, Neko's pick of the week. Uh, to be your parasite god. <laughs> mm, mm, mm. Mm, 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 baby. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Attention, please. Be prepared for a musical transformation that you've never felt before. We will bring you on a journey like there's no tomorrow, and we will break new ground. Hailing from the land below the wind. Ten, nine, eight, seven. DJ Neko's pick of the week. 
everybody. This is Mr. Joshua Gray, your live gameplay DJ, live weekday mornings, every day, but hump day, playing Mortal Kombat or other games occasionally and featuring a number of different artists. So come on by, grab your breakfast, and enjoy some fatalities. Mr. Joshua Gray on YouTube, Monday, Tuesdays, Thursdays, and Fridays, 8 noon to the moon. And you're listening to DJ Anubis and DJ Neko on Metal Tavern Radio. Why would I betray you? We all have our secrets. We just didn't get to yours yet. The world is arming faster than we can respond. Where's 007? I need a favor, brother. You're the only one I trust for this. The world's moved on, Commander Bond. You were double O? Two years. So stay in your lane. You get in my way. I will put a bullet in your knee. The one that works. I thought you two would get along. Name? Bond. James. Bond. So you're not dead. Hello, Q. I've missed you. It's the most valuable asset this country has. If you feel yourself losing control, I'm not going to lose control. James, you gave up everything for her. When her secret finds its way out, It'll be the death of you. What is it? You don't know what this is. James Bond. License to kill. History of violence. I could be speaking to my own reflection. Only your skills die with your body. Mine will survive long after I'm gone. History isn't kind to men who play God. trailer for No Time to Die, James Bond 007. Neko and I are big fans of the franchise. Uh, Daniel Craig has been pretty fabulous for the most part. Uh, there was a couple of movies in there that I felt that weren't up to snuff, you know. But then again, I wasn't a big fan of most of the Pierce Bronson era either. There was only a couple in there that I liked. Uh, Roger Moore, I loved a lot of his. Sean Connery, Timothy Dalton, they all did a very good job in their films. Uh, but there was a article on ScreenRant.com that, you know, because Neko and I have talked about this in the past with other movies and this one as well in terms of, I'll just put it this way, one of the paragraphs in here says, The topic of which actor is fit to take on the role of the world's most famous British secret agent has been gaining traction in recent years. 
Since Bond has always been portrayed by a white male actor, the discussion of Craig's successor has often been centered around whether the character sh sh could be played by a woman, a person of color, or both. Recently, Bridgerton actor Reggie Jean Page has been linked with the role. I have no idea who that is. Alongside numerous others, Idris Elba has also been long touted as Craig's successor and the first black actor to take I want him. him so bad. He would be the perfect James Bond. Yeah, I, I, I don't get the hesitancy I mean, I at mean, all. I like, get it. They want to be... They want to make it a woman. Okay, and people are be bitching about... It doesn't um, have to be a woman. Dude, black actor to be James Bond is fucking groundbreaking. Exactly. I know a woman would be groundbreaking, I mean, but... I pissed because he's going to be black because everybody has something to be pissed about, but... <laughs> right. Just he's perfect. He's perfect. He is James Bond. Uh, in... An interview with Radio Times, when asked whether he supported a more diverse version of Bond, Craig offered this view, and this is where you and I both agree. Craig explained why he doesn't see the need for a woman to play the iconic character when filmmakers should be creating new and different female roles that are just as interesting. Agreed. The actor argued that there should simply be better parts available to both women and actors of color. And I think that's what's the crutch of what we've been talking about is like, you don't have to change the main character so much, and if you do, a guy like Elba would be perfect. Uh, people, even though there's no set thing on like whether or not Bond has to be a female or male, it's just been such a long-standing thing that we expect it to be male. Well, here's the thing: he like 007 is his number, right? right? So like. You could make it like 008 and, well, and have that be... In Octopussy, the first... There is another agent, 009, who's killed earlier in the film. When you hear Craig talking in the trailer to the female agent, he's like, are you 00? She's like, yes. So she's clearly already an agent of a different number. Uh, so they have different ones already that they set in stone a long time ago. So in terms of 007... Make it a, a, a make it a quote unquote James Bond movie, but don't make her right. James Bond. Make her 009, and she has her own movie. Like, right. Uh, when we watched Max Mar uh, Mad Max Fury Road, Furiosa was the main catalyst of that film, and she's probably going to get her own film. So she's basically like a spinoff of the Mad Max franchise. Yeah, so. she's not Mad Max herself. <laughs> right. So, we agree that, at this point, like, let's not try to mess with what's not broken. It's not broken at all. Um, if you want to try going with a guy like Elba for James Bond, great. We get it. Yeah, uh, I want, if you, listen, I'm, I'm all for that diversity. <laughs> um, but we, but he's right about the fact that, like, when we have women in the roles, which I've always kind of felt like, some people short sell the women in the Bond movies. Pussy Galore, uh, Octopussy. They were all kind of strong women on their own right. They weren't like action, like because they weren't the center of attention, but they were not like just weak willed women. Like, of course, you had some that were just of that way, but uh, at this stage, you could easily make any. I think it, it almost started with like 
Well, basically, we saw with all the James Bond, even back to Sean Connery's days, that the women that were usually the baddies were badasses. Uh, Carolyn Monroe was in a role against uh, Roger Moore. I can't remember the actress who played Pussy Galore, but she was not, like, a pushover. She was a villainess. Um, so they've all existed on some level there. Uh, it seems from the trailer of this film that there are, like, not only the, the black double-O agent, but the uh, white female in there as well as seems to be kicking ass. So it's like they're doing what they can. I just, I agree with Daniel Craig that it's not necessary to, to force one thing over the other. Even if they decide to go with another white guy, James Bond, I think it's fine. Just make sure it's a good choice. Who else would be a good choice besides Idris <laughs> That I don't know. <laughs> like, it's for me. I think a lot of people really would just like to see Elba do it. Um, just one Give me, give me like a Timothy Dalton. One movie. I say give him a three movie deal. Just make a good writing. Um, you know, for most part. Picture him. He does, he's got some sunglasses and he gets like bombs. James Bond. And then he does like the, you know, with the, the cuffling thing. And then it's Idris Elba walking out to him. Like, and, and women just swoon to him. Oh. Neck goes like freaking the fuck out. Man. If that happened. You don't know what I would do. Like, in fact, if we saw that in the theater and Elba was James Bond, you would see Neko up on the screen licking it <laughs> when he's showing his abs. That, that scene where Daniel Craig's coming out of the... <laughs> in that tiny, tiny... Yeah, they're like, they're like... At that point, they were like, okay, here's Haley Berry. Oh, but here's Daniel Craig. Oh! Well, the funny part was... Um, Daniel Craig, apparently, people had some problems with him because he was blonde hair and blue eyes. Right. And they were like, he doesn't look like James Bond. Yeah, I remember that. Like, that was they, so weird. That was like a big deal. And then when he came out of the water shirtless, everybody's like, all right, I'm all right with this. <laughs> Trust me, I'm all right with it as well. I I think... In fact, going to make a note, this wasn't... Uh... Interestingly, Craig himself was subject to backlash from fans when he was cast in a role for Casino Royale. This wasn't due to his ethnicity or gender, but due to his hair color, stature, and height. Mm -hmm. A fan campaign was established to have the producers cast someone who looked more traditionally like Bond. Like Bond. Once audiences saw his performance, however, these criticisms swiftly fell away. That's it. Elba can fucking act. I know he can. And I don't care he's black, he can carry the role. That's not the problem. That's the thing. He's handsome. Yeah. He's British. He can do action. He can do comedy. Remember <laughs> Remember when he was in the office, you're like, is that it yourself? I'm like, yep. <laughs> and there was a couple of times, too, when he was in the office, and because they were always, like, kind of um, ripping and, like, not going off script a little bit and ad-libbing. And you can see him because he's kind of not used, because he's always been like a little bit more serious type well, stuff. Well, you remember when he did the hot ones with the hot sauce interview? That was so good. <laughs> <laughs> he's like, what the bloody hell? But they've been, you know, as far as changes to James Bond, we've seen it with the movies. Like, the, uh, the, sexism's, no more, yeah, yeah. the sexism's kind of gone. Yeah, so, like, they've, they've kind of moved away from that, you know, M was it's no not, longer... It's not man talk anymore, you know, like... Go away, baby, it's man talk. That was so Pat funny. on the ass. <laughs> yeah, you're like... I mean, the women still are like, oh, James, and that's okay, because you want a sexy, hot 
black man named Idris Elba to be. <laughs> yeah, so it, it just at this stage, like the film itself, according to the trailer, looks wonderful. Um, I'm, I'm looking at a picture of the girl that I was talking about in the film was doing some kicks on. I know she looks beautiful. I don't know who she is as an actress, but uh, you know, I, it looks really good. Um, there were some other movies. Uh, what was it? I forget the name of it, but it was the one with Olga in it. I like her as an actress too, but the movie was just terribly written. Oh, horrible. Uh, but Casino Royale, Skyfall, uh, Spectre, those were all great movies for James Bond. And I expect this one to be right up there with it. So uh, I just think that Craig made a very important point that, you know, you don't have to really, you can make changes, but let's be smart about it. Let's not force the square pig in the round hole as I keep saying uh, just build better characters if you're going to go with someone like let's say you go with Elba you can make strong female characters beside him that's not the you know you just do that and write it better and that, it should be just fine so yeah that's where I'm on that with that that's where you are with that yeah I would just why can't they just make him fucking James Bond <laughs> She's gonna harp on that the whole night. I will. Why don't you just do it already? Do it. it. I mean, like, what do you have to do to make him James Bond? Who do I have to talk to? I can't, and I can't imagine. Like, he doesn't say too much about it, but I can't imagine he would turn it down. Like, I would. There's just no. He's he's a fit dude, man. He's like he might be in his fifties, but still, he's a fit dude. Can do the role. He's done. He's didn't do an action on the fucking. Hobbs and Shaw shit and everything else, so it's it's not like he can't do it. He is six foot two. He's forty nine years old. Neko means six foot two chocolate goodness. Oh my god. <laughs> he looks so good. I'm looking at some recent photos of him. Uh uh uh. Do I really want to listen to this? I mean here's a picture of him in a suit. Dude is sharp looking. I, don't I mean, care. he looks like James Bond. He's wearing a suit. James Bond, right there. Yeah, I, I don't get it. Don't get it. Wouldn't be prudent. Can we just... Just do it already. Just do it. Like, somebody's got to leak something about him being... Well, there needs to be like a, a... You know, a fund me page or something that... They, well, or a petition, you know, to get us. It's gotten some traction because, like, Idris Elba stealthily custom Rolex is absolute James Bond material. So you, this is off topic of this, but you saw The Suicide Squad with me. We watched that movie. The new one? Yeah, 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 yeah. And Cena played Peacemaker. Yes. Did you have any problems with his character in the film? Like, his character. Who, Elba or Peacemaker? Peacemaker. Just in general, like, you know how he was, he's, like, very pro-American, and just, he turned out to be kind of, like, the bad guy at the end. But did you have any problems with how the character was, like, attitude-wise? I don't know, not really. Neither did I. Didn't pick up anything. Like, I, I just recently saw an article that there were some complaints that, or I should say a reporter asked James Gunn, the director, he says... That what do you feel about Peacemaker being 
I forget the word they used. I had to go look it up because I had never heard it before. It, but it was basically pro-American racist character. I never got any racism out of Peacemaker at all in the film. Did you pick up on any of that? No. Yeah. I yeah. thought he was kind of dumb. Well, he, he, you know he, what I mean. He was—he was—he was, he was, he was naive of, because yeah. he believed everything that America stood for, and what was—you know—that was the whole point of him covering up whatever shit they were doing. That was the whole twist at the end. But I never picked up on anything in terms of him being some sort of racist character, like at all. Maybe in the comics he is, but nothing in the movie would ever lead me to believe that. So I just thought that was interesting. Like, that's just kind of strange to me. I just really felt that was... And Gunn said he thought it was an unfair criticism, which I agree. I, I just People just start drawing things. And I think they did that because the character is pro-American, pro-America's the greatest thing ever, so they must automatically think that he's a racist in some way. I just I think that's a dumb comparison to make. Um, yeah, so I just threw that in there because I, I wondered if you had picked up on anything that made you lead, lead you to believe that he was... Somehow racist as a character. I just never saw anything said in the, in the dialogue or anything that would point to that at all. So, I have it. I'm going to have to look at that because I'm trying to think what what word that they used. What's the um, article? It was... Uh, okay, so it's on ScreenRant.com and it's called uh, James Gunn Responds to the Question About Peacemaker Being a Racist American Hero. And jig, jignostic, jignostic is one of the words he used, which I had to go look up, which just means something about pro-American or whatever. But Peacemaker trailer description reveals how it can... Oh, there's a Peacemaker movie coming. Yeah, yeah. I'm making one about him. I can't find it. Oh, wow. Supernatural's Jensen Eccles to direct Jared Padalecki in Walker Season 2 episode. Yay! I get to talk about Jared later today. Samurai show. What are you guys watching? We're not watching. We're discussing 2009's Friday the 13th, where Patty Lucky was in that. And then Rob Zombie's 2007 remake of Halloween. Oh! But, uh... Remember yeah. when we were watching, uh... Uh, Suicide Squad? And we're like, hey, look at Sean Gunn. He had like one thirties, and then we're like, wait a minute, I wonder if he's related to James Gunn. Yeah, he appears in like, everything. He's in everything that that James Gunn uh, directs, and to me, he's always Kirk Leeson, though. Right. Jingo, for Gilmore Girls. What is it, Jing? Uh, Jing, yeah, Jing uh, I don't know. What the fuck? Something to do with nationalism, I think. But uh, it's just funny. I had to go look it up because I didn't know what the fuck they were saying. But I just, again, like, I just, I didn't see anything with the character to show race. I think people start drawing conclusions when they're not there and it's really sad because I thought the movie was good. It was funny and uh, much better than the first Suicide Squad film. And uh, I thought seeing this character was great. I mean, I just, I don't get it. Don't get it. So here's some other people that they're throwing in the ring for uh, James, James Bond. Bond. Okay. Henry Cavill. Cavill. Yeah. I don't think I'm saying his name right. He was Inspector, I think, or one of them. He was um, a bad guy. Richard Madden. Don't know. He is. 
in the Netflix series Bodyguard, and he's very handsome, but <laughs> not quite as handsome as Idris Elba, but he really has a Bond look. Like, Henry Cavill is a little too muscly, mm -hmm. you know, like, especially this picture that they have up of him, but Richard Madden looks, he's got, like, that very debonair kind of, like, and then they're talking about possibly the first Asian James Bond. Remember that movie, Crazy Rich Asians, that we saw? Um, Henry Golding, he is uh, the husband-to-be in that movie when they were going to the wedding. The um, And he is also very suave-looking, too. And that's the front-runners, of course, with Idris Elba. And then... He even said, he said, the rumors about Bond have always chased me. My poor mom is like, one day you're going to get it. <laughs> and I'm like, you know what? Oh, just give him one fucking movie. But tell the guy a bone already, man. But there's apparently a Luther movie. Okay, that's based off that TV series that we couldn't quite get into, but we never really gave it a We gave it, like, up. a couple of episodes, and it, that's really not fair. It's, that's why, like... It was a slow burn. Yeah, so. there, that's why... But people say it's really good. There's some... I mean, like, that would be, like, people trying to get into Law & Order the first season. Right. Which I have. But those... See, the Law & Order, they are basically standalone episodes. A whereas, lot of the Luthers are, too, you, but, but uh, they, they have to little bits feed off of each other. Right. Remember he was like a down-and-out alcoholic mm -hmm. cop, and yeah. I think we should give it another chance, because we only watched a couple of episodes, and it, I was like, uh. Right. And then, I, I I know, you know, we're we're Americans, and we have our horrible accent. There are a lot of, of British shows I have to watch on, um, with the captions on, <laughs> especially when they're like more sc Scottish. Have <laughs> you, I mean, like, because they get real. The one our accents are very mm -hmm. tough sometimes. Too. And it's hard for me to pick up everything. What were we watching the one time? And I'm like, you gotta turn the. I know they're speaking English, but you gotta turn the the, the subtitles on because they're just talking so fast. It was probably like Snatch or one of those Guy Ritchie movies. I'm like, you have to turn the the subtitles on. I cannot keep up with what's going on. <laughs> Oh, I love you. <laughs> Alright, well, let's get back into some music. Uh, next block, we got some new stuff from Beast Lurker. Classic stuff from DSI, but here's some brand new stuff from Lucifer Headless Right.
What's up everyone, this is Richie from Grave Huffer, and you're listening to DJ Anubis and DJ Neko on Metal Tavern Radio. Rank it the fuck up. This is the Retro Movie Vault with your hosts DJ Anubis and DJ Neko only on Metal Tavern Radio. You haven't heard anybody say anything about either one of these. Well, what about these two? Well, they suck. These are the same two movies? You weren't paying any attention. No, I wasn't. I don't think your manager would appreciate it. I appreciate your ruse, ma'am. I beg your pardon? Your ruse, your cunning attempt to trick me. You killed my father, you killed my people! You took my father's sword! It must have been when I was younger. There was a time, boy, when I searched for steel. And steel meant more to me than gold or jewels. A riddle of steel. Yes. You know what it is, don't you, boy? Shall I tell you? It's the least I can do. Steel isn't strong, boy. Flesh is stronger. Look around you. There. On the rocks. That beautiful girl. Come to me, my child. That is strength, boy. That is power. The strength and power of flesh. What is steel compared to the hand that wields it? Look at the strength of your body, the desire in your heart. I gave you this. Such a waste. Contemplate this on the tree of woe. Crucify. Crucify him. Turned out to be a dud. <laughs> came back three days later. Ayo! 
scene from Conan the Barbarian, Tulsa Doom, and Conan, of course, and uh, had a chance to go revisit that last night, or the night before, I can't remember, I lose track of days. Okay, so, alright, last night I was throwing a fit because I was having a hard time getting the flooring to fit into mm. those weird angles. I was so close to being done hours ago, and then I was, like, fucking with it, and I kept, like, cutting the tile, but it was, like, the wrong size every time, so I started, like, cutting smaller cuts so that it would be easier to fit in, and then cutting it along the grain so that it would blend in better. That took a long time. Yeah. So, it had to be the night before. Night before. Tuesday night, I believe. Yeah. So, anyway, uh... It's one of my favorite films of all time. It's not that there's any, like, superior acting in, per se, because it's not, like, it was never designed to be that way. But uh, given that I'm big into fantasy and sword fighting and Vikings and, and shit, barbarians in this case. Uh, Fight with my sword. One of Schwarzenegger's earliest films. Where, uh, you know, he didn't have to do a lot of talking. He could just look like a, a beast and be in beast mode. Uh, but really, with the underscore is the great acting job by James Earl Jones. And uh, it's Tulsa Doom. So much of the fact that, you know, Neko kind of teased me is that my World of Warcraft guild is called the Assassins of Tulsa Doom. I utilize that as, yeah. So she's making fun of me in her Smeagol voice. Not a Schmeagol voice. It's just doing World of Warcraft voice. <laughs> precious. It's my precious. Um, so basically the premise is a young Conan, a barbarian. Uh, his family, his parents are killed in a, a raid by Tulsa Doom and his minions. Uh, early in the film, they wipe out his people, kill his family. Uh, you kind of get a sense early on that Thulsa is already starting to dabble into sorcery because that becomes a bigger factor later on. But he sort of, there's this moment in the early attack that uh, Conan's mom's defending him uh, as a young boy and she's got the sword and her husband was a forger, a good sword maker, and that's sort of the reason why they raided because they wanted to pick up the swords and uh, all that stuff. And there's this moment where she's ready to fight Tulsa Doom, who, like, even though she's vastly outnumbered, uh, Doom, Doom is just kind of looking at her while looking at one of the swords that her husband made. And sort of just, he's got these easy eyes. Like, it's really weird about Earl Jones, is he's got these easy eyes. What's that supposed to mean? And he starts, like, sort of hypnotizing her, which where she lowers her sword, and he does this, like, quick... <laughs> look around and then boom takes off her head and that's all she wrote yeah and in the movie she's like holding his hand as a, as a little yeah. boy yeah yeah uh so what ends up happening is they take conan young conan as a slave and they put him on this uh wheel of pain they call it and they just i don't know what it really does ultimately i think it's like a water thing or some shit like that but there's a bunch of young boys who are pushing it around and around. I think you're right. I think it was some kind of like uh, grain silo or it's something to do with like creating yeah, power normally you, somehow. Right. Like, you normally see like horses doing stuff like that but this was a way why for... Why not? He's a slave now. 
Right, and I, and I think in a lot of ways also it weeded out the week. So if you couldn't make it in the long haul, you would either die on there, you know, collapse or whatever. But and then it turned into Barbarian Fight Club. Well, eventually we fast forward to like twenty years later. And he's now grown up as Conan. He's strong because he's been pushing. It's basically you're exercising 24-7. <laughs> That's all you're doing for these many years. For, okay, this is going to sound crazy. But do you remember that episode of um, Black Mirror where they were riding those exercise bikes? Because they they, that was the way that they powered the city. Mm-hmm. Like, that just came to my mind. Like, they had to ride, and the more that you rode, you got more, like, credits, and you could get, like, better so like, food and better, um... Ready Player One. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and you could, like, in your little shitty cubby, it's like, oh, do you want to watch the porn? That's 30 credits. Or do you want to have, like, a nacho cheese dinner? That's an extra five credits instead of, like... And, that, and I remember the guy... Because he was he was saving up all of his credits, so he like was eating like all the basics, and then he started like pedaling, and he got real fit, and then he went and he like took down the society. It's Conan. They stole Conan. They stole Conan. They literally stole Conan. So as Nico pointed out, once it got to a certain point, this other guy comes, and I can't remember his name right offhand, but he's. Uh, almost like Gladiator, uh, he's, he searches out for fighters for these pits that he has. And he picks up Conan, takes him, throws him in a pit seat, you know, they bet on it with all these audience. It's not like a big, not like a coliseum, but just a smaller pit area. Basically, over a period of time, Conan becomes a better fighter because he can hold his own and he's killing these guys. And all of a sudden, he's... Getting more weapons to use, uh, equipment like helmets and shields, and eventually they actually train him professionally through a swordsman to and teach him how to read and write, have sex with women. <laughs> That's what I call it because basically they were like they were breeding him. He, he learned the love supreme, of flesh. Yeah, he's a supreme breeder. Right, right. Like, right. Were, he's a stud. He, that's what it was. He was a, and they're all watching. And Only, only to like open it back yeah. up and look at her and like, yeah, I think I want to have some of this. <laughs> I want some of that. You're right. Yeah, so it's it's funny. Uh, so eventually one night though, after I guess his, I guess I'll call him the manager. <laughs> the manager? Right. The manager says, you've learned all you can here. I'm going to cut you loose. It's, like, just, it's just like WWE. Like, right, the manager. the manager. So he lets uh, Conan go and just go be on his own. For so really, at this point, Conan's running away some from some wolves that are hunting him down. And gets into this like big rock fortress, which has a cave inside, and he falls in there and you know lights a fire, and he sees that there's like these. It must have been like a clan of some sort because there's like skeletons of bodies and. Oh, yeah, 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 and, and it was like the one, it, it kind of looked like what's-his-face. Yeah, his um, his former manager. Yeah. <laughs> so, the one uh, that looks like his manager it has like a crown, has a sword in his hand, a skeleton hand, and, you know, Conan uses it, and then all of a sudden, uh, the helmet falls off, and he's, he looks at him, and he's like, well, Crom, that's 
because he believes that Krom is his god of the earth, uh, which was taught by his dad. So he gets out, kills the wolves, and uses their fur as a coat and whatnot, and moves on. Uh, on his way for adventure, he comes across uh, Sobotai, who's a archer, captured by a witch, a uh, banshee chap chick that Arnold has to deal with for a quick second. Yeah, that, that was very weird. Like, But it's an important moment because I told you I did not pick up any time ever mm-hmm. till now that she's sort of a seer as well because uh, she was able to tell him where to go to search out Thulsa Doom. Like, he didn't know Thulsa Doom by name. He just knew the symbol of two snakes facing each other. And that's what he was looking for. Sounds like a little bit like Cobra Kai. Right. So she's able to tell him where he can go to kind of like search out this, but there's a price to pay, and that's, you know, he has sex with her, but then she transforms into almost a vampire type thing. Yeah, it was weird. Uh, so he meets Subatai outside of the little shack there after it's all said and done releases him from captivity they go on and they finally make it to a city where each city has like basically um a Thulsa Doom tower uh for their little gatherings and cult it's basically a cult and uh they come across Valeria or Valeria I don't know I think that's how you pronounce it but uh yeah, Sandra Bergman plays this young woman who is a thief, and they come across each other, and initially they were skeptical of each other, but they end up teaming together to climb in and get the jewels, and there's like a big diamond of sorts, like called the Eye of the Serpent, that is very valuable. Give me back my jewels! Of course, on top of this is, because it's a cult, they have crazy shit going on. The Thulsa Doom has two right men. Uh, Thorgrim, and I can't remember the other guy, but the other guy is the one that's at this tower who's has all these like little women there for right. Well, it's not an orgy, they're they're just like underlings, but they're sacrifices too because that's what they're getting ready to do. There's a giant snake in the pit, and uh, so. As as Valeria is on top checking out what's going on with the, uh, I guess they're doing a praying of sorts, or, you know, getting ready for the woman to fall down and, uh, be eaten by the big-ass snake that's down there, because that's their little pet. So, Conan and Sobatai go down to the bottom where the snake is, and that's where all the jewels are, and the big eye of the serpent. And they try to get in and out without waking it up from its slumber. And, uh, because Conan's a big duty sweating lice, <laughs> trying to grab this jewel. Oh, my. And, uh, so once they all start making their way back down the tunnel, the, the snakes come and awake and starts attacking Conan, who ends up ramming his sword through the mouth and up through the head, but it isn't until, uh, Sobotai hits him with some arrows and pins it against the wall that Conan can cut it cut its head off basically so after that long story short they get out being chased by the uh, cultists and uh, this the first main dude uh, right hand man and then of course what they end up doing is they get recruited by the king of the local providence and his daughter is becoming enamored with Thulsa Doom and the cult so he's offered these 
burglars to go and steal his daughter to get her back and he's willing to throw thousands of little gems and diamonds at him whatever they want and they're like okay that's cool we like that now Valeria and Subotai are a bit he uh, hesitant because they know that Thulsa Doom by reputation is very powerful very scary they don't really want to mess with him too much obviously Conan has an axe to grind with him <laughs> and he wants to like because he actually found like a symbol within the snake's pit that was reminiscent of the what would you call that the, the little war banner they had when they raided his his his, town, his little village it's like the, it's like his uh shield or his right like, um emblem something yeah, like that. uh like tartan i don't know what the correct word is but it's like that is his his symbol for his... Right, because really, the the cult, how they have various snake symbols, but the one with the two heads facing each other is one that's kind of rare. So when he saw it in the snake pit, he took it, and that's what he was using. And anyway, eventually, when they... Eventually, it was actually Conan going alone to try and uh, infiltrate the cult, and <laughs> we make fun of the... The guy's like, you shouldn't be afraid to show your body, my friend, my young son. <laughs> like, you actually had a gay guy. Like, you wouldn't know it, but he was gay, and he was trying to get, you know, flirting with Conan. Conan, Conan played along until he beat his ass and took his robes. Uh, no, okay, so they were, like, Hare Krishnas. That's what almost, they were. Almost, yeah. yeah. They had, like, the, the lays mm. and, like, the weird robes. And that's exactly what they were. They were, like, ancient hippies. And that's yeah. how he got the robes so that he could sneak in. But that's how that's how the cult was now. Like, Tulsa Doom had gone from... a good fucking meat stick. Gone from worrying about steel to, like, powers of the flesh. Like, it was all about, in his words, love. There's a lot of, like... No, it was about creating a giant cult. He's got all the money now. He's got all the influence now. So now what he's doing is he's on top. He's creating a giant pyramid scheme. He's, he's not out there like... Pyramid fuck, scheme. Yeah, he's not out there like fucking raiding anymore because he's already done mm -hmm. scared people for the last like 30 years. I'm just saying his philosophy was about... You know, it was self-love almost, but... In the backdrop, it was about cannibalism and all these other darker things that no one really knew about. But, but that's what I mean. He's not literally out there scaring people or taking down these villages anymore. He's already done that. Right. That's why he had all his little towers at these other places. What Spreading he's the now, good word. That's what it is. He is starting his own little cult. His own little thing, and that's where everybody's like, yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's why I said they're Hare Krishnas. They're like worshiping this dude. It was very because weird. they thought he was very powerful. Exactly. And uh, anyway, when Conan infiltrates it, yeah, he's, it's just he's, so funny that like I'm, I'm starting to see all these little uh, nuances. He's quickly recognized and taken hostage, and this is that's a clip you heard where he's being interrogated by Tulsa Doom when Tulsa dis discovers who he is and why he tried to why he killed the snake. They figured out that he was the one who did it. Like, that is my pet. <laughs> the Orgrim raised him from when he's young. He's beside himself. <laughs> so 
he ends up putting him on what's called the tree of woe. It was like a, basically like a crucifixion. And he was just going to sit out there and die and starve and, you know, dehydrate to death or whatever. Until Sobotai hunts him down and gets him and cuts him release. Now he's still near death. They end up, prior to that, coming across a wizard named Make. Uh, I can't remember his name, but he's just called a wizard. But it's played by Mako, the uh, actor who was also in Sidekicks, who we were talking about. Uh, great actor. So they take Conan back to be healed by Mako. And, of course, they've got to fight off these demons from the other world who's going to try to take his soul if they don't fend them off. So they, they manage to do that. And now it comes time for, I guess, Valeria and Sobatai, who are now on board with, like, taking down Tulsa Doom and getting the, the king's daughter back. So they all put on their war paint. They uh, infiltrate the Mountain of Power uh, through a back door. <laughs> uh, they get in there, and this is one of the better fights of the movie. I really like the scenery. Uh, Neko really harps on the orgy part of it. <laughs> With all, with, with, with all the ugly dudes who are fucking all the beautiful women, lucky bastards. Uh, they've got this big, like, soup thing going on with, like, body parts. and It's almost like an aphrodisiac or some shit in the liquid. I don't yeah, know. I don't even know what that was. It was... But they were oh. lapping that shit up. <laughs> uh, at one point, uh, Doom is kind of overseeing the orgy on his little throne there. And the princess, who they're supposed to take out of there, is sitting next to him. Uh, for whatever reason, I don't know if it's because Doom knew that Conan and them were there, or if it was just uh, something that he was in a trance state, but he started transforming into a snake, a giant snake himself. Which is a very cool scene, because it's all progression. Uh, we talk about the special effects all the time. Great special effects with this. I mean, when, when did this come out? 82? Yeah. I mean, come on now. Right. Uh, so while this is all going on, of course, the three of them, the trio, start killing the, the men who were just randomly around, the soldiers, I guess. They were the ones both creating the soup and having an orgy. They're just taking them out. They don't, they don't care about the women that much. They're not a threat. Uh, they're starting lighting shit on fire, but then all of a sudden, uh... The two henchmen, the right henchmen, uh, Thorgrim and the other guy, show up, and they're ready to fight. And they can't believe he's still alive. Like there's like it's you, and of course it gets all badass. Conan's like got his sword, doing fancy like tricks with it. And did we did we talk about when Conan punched the uh, the camel? No, that was when uh, Subutai and Conan were leaving. That to, was like my favorite thing. Yeah, they were drunk. And oh my god, that was so funny. Talking shit. And he, I never even caught it, and then I was like, he punched a camel. He, and he, then, at that part where he was in the desert, and he's like, do you know how to ride this thing? And I'm like, he, he fucking punched one the other day. I mean, like... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's like, he bumped into a camel by accident and thought it was some dude and punched it and then knocked it out. But anyway... Uh, once the fight inside the Mountain of Power happens, uh, Thorgrim and the other guy are basically taking on Conan at this point, and Sobatai and Valeria are taking the girl or trying to get her out of there. Uh, there's a funny point where Thorgrim uses his, his hammer and he hits this, this pillar that starts collapsing, knocks the other henchman out, and, uh, 
<laughs> Thorgrim just kind of looks at it like, hmm, I did that? I didn't know I did that. I feel bad. Boss is going to be mad. Uh, so they all get out, but as they're, as they're basically getting away on their horses, uh, Tulsa Doom comes back and he's like talking shit like, now they will know why they were afraid of the dark. And he actually uses like these little snakes that he has as like arrows for his bow. So he straightens it out, shoots one, hits Valeria right in the mid, mid range and, uh, eventually they, the trio pull over on her horses and they help her off and they pull it out but she's already dying at that point so she, and at this point this bitch has saved him twice oh yeah twice. we haven't got we haven't got to this cause like Neko really believes that this movie is more about Valeria being the hero rather than Conan <laughs> cause she was cause without her his ass would be dead she, twice she's been carrying on about it the whole fucking movie uh so she passes away, and you know it's a lovely little death. Valhalla's waiting for her, or whatever. And Conan's pissed, like he's like, "Okay, I was just in love with this golden pussy, and now all of a sudden you take her away." The golden snatch. Yeah, the golden snatch, not snitch, golden snatch. And uh, so they've now gone to where these uh, ruins are. Uh, they've put her on this. It's almost like the Aslan thing from the witch. The line of witch in a wardrobe, but they set her on fire so that her ashes can burn. And there's this funny moment where uh, the wizard asks uh, Subatai why he's crying. He's like, Conan Sumerian, he won't cry. So I cry for him. <laughs> so uh, obviously the fires will draw as a, like an indicator to where they are. So Tulsa Doom and the, his soldiers will come to try to get the princess back. Like, this is. I guess it's sort of way Thulsa Doom's way of kind of like blackmailing the king in the sense that he had his daughter under his spell or whatever. So she's chained up on this like wall thing at the top of this hill and they've already prepared with all these traps and uh, you know things that you do when you're doing for war, ready for war. So they cut through a lot of the uh, the what we call the uh, the B level dudes <laughs> who are not very good. It's like when you're playing a video game before you get to the final like, right. master. I have to get these fucks out of the way. Get all the fucking minions out of the way, the, the weak asses and whatnot. So they're, you know, doing away with those guys. And then, of course, the two henchmen come, Thorgrim and the other one. And, again, uh, they seem to attack a lot together. But they get separated because he knocks the other dude out. And Thorgrim is now... Sneaking up on Conan, he thinks, and sneaky, thanks, sneaky. he sees like Conan's helmet across this rock in this little crevice, and he thinks, "Oh, he must be hiding." So Thorgrim turns around with his hammer and just nails it on top of the fucking uh, helmet. But the helmet was a trap, which is one of those like it's a trap. You see it from fucking like uh, First Blood with Stallone, like it, it swings around a tree with a big old. Uh, sharp edge on it and <laughs> gets him right in the stomach. And at this point, Conan's just kind of looking at him like, man, I killed this bitch. Look at that. Yeah, he's dying right in front of me. That's great. Doesn't see the other dude get back up and start charging him and uh, knocks him to the ground. Almost would have had him. And then Neko, Valeria shows up in spirit form and blinds the dude. <laughs> That's it. That's it. She's still saving his ass. He's... <laughs> 
blinds the dude to where Conan can get up and fight him again and kills the guy finally, and that takes out those two. But, uh, Tulsa Doom is like, I'm not leaving here empty-handed, so he gets another snake ready on his bow. Plans on killing the princess. He does. He figures he's already lost everything else, so he's gonna just try to take her out and be done with it. Uh, Sobatai uses a shield, saves her, and this actually plays a bigger point. I think uh, what wasn't mentioned, Neko got me the pair of DVDs for both Conan the Barbarian and Destroyer together, which was cool when we first got together. And I think my version of Conan the Barbarian actually has some extra scenes because I don't remember some of the stuff towards the end. We did, we did watch the extended version. So, the princess actually plays a big part in the end, how he gets back into the Mountain of Power because uh, at this point she's still portraying a cultist because uh, she was basically like at Doom's feet all the time. Like she was one of the main people in her his group. Uh... So she's distracting a lot of the guards while Conan kills them. And at this point, it's nighttime. There's a lot of cultists at the bottom of the stairs. They're all listening to Doom do his little speech. Uh, and then Conan sneaks up behind him, and, there, and there's like this moment. Uh, Tulsa Doom again. He's pretty little eyes. He's uh, talking to Conan. He's like, you know, you're my son. You know, he gets stressing. You're my son. Because uh, he feels like he's groomed Conan through all this pain and torment. That that that's what he's meant to be yeah, next know, to him. You know what? You know who else grooms people? <laughs> Pedophiles. Yeah, Uh So at some point, you know, Doom's putting his hand on Conan's shoulder. Conan's kind of like in this state of like, huh, deep thought almost. But it's almost like a spell, so he kind of snaps out of it, and boom, cracks him on the side of the neck. Uh, blood's going everywhere, and then as Doom turns to face the, the crowd, he hits the other side and basically just takes his head right off. And then tosses it down the stairway, and people start like... And he, but it's not like he just, like... Okay, so at the beginning, when Conan is with his mom... When they chop her head off, it's like one clean slice, and then her body falls, and he's holding the head, and, like, Conan's like, ooh, crying. This part at the end, he, like, chops it, like he's fucking chopping down a tree. He's like, whack, 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 and it takes a couple of times, which I believe is what would happen if you are going to decapitate Well, somebody. the other interesting thing is the sword that the last henchman had... Mm -hmm was his dad's. Oh! And you remember when he hit him, it broke his dad's sword. And that was the half part that he had for the other sword. That's the part that he used to kill Doom at the end. So there was some symbolism there with, like, revenge. But think about it also. It just now just dawned on me. Tulsa Doom was basically a serpent. And you cut the head off of a snake and you kill the cult. So that's basically some symbolism there. Now... Yeah, and then Homeboy's like, I am the master now. Right, so you have this little ending part where, you know, well, well Neko was kind of laughing about the last scene where Conan picks up this, like, chain and uh, thing of fire that he throws up into the top of the thing and catches fire, but we were like, well, just, it's all stone, basically. How's it going to catch on fire? What else did I say? He's like... He's like whipping around like it's a fucking you were saying, helicopter. You say he was showing off. Yeah, he was. He's like doing a shot put. 
have fire now! Like, it's really funny because we see a lot of stories like this, especially, you know, Conan is an older story, um, and anytime, like, you quote-unquote cut the head off the serpent, you, you know, kill the master, immediately in these movies, all of the subservient people now look at the person who killed the master as, you're my new master. Instead of being furious that their master has been killed, they they still stay... Subservient. Yeah, it's almost like they were under a spell themselves. Yeah, but, and, but you see it not just like in this movie, but you see it in a lot of older stories. Um, like, okay, you killed my master, now you're the new master. Like... Lots of mythology, lots of things like that. Although I wonder, because hmm. at the very end, after all that, there is a moment where the princess, like, bows. But I couldn't tell if she was just bowing to the finality of Doom, or if she was bowing no, to Conan. No, because Conan, at, remember, at the end, he is on a throne. Well, that's sort of, like, just, that's sort of, like, in the head area, though. No, because... I looked and did a little bit of research. He is technically now the king or the emperor or whatever. Well, he's the king of his own throne. That, that's something that he explores in the Destroyer movie. Like, Actually, I don't even know if I've ever seen the Destroyer movie. It's a little bit more campy than this one. It's good, but it's it's this one was more serious take, mm -hmm. which I enjoyed a lot more. Um, Destroyer is good. It has one of the Diablo girls in it from because her sister played in... Uh, one of the James Bond films, and I just always thought that was funny. Um, but here's an interesting thing about um, Roger Ebert's uh, review of it back then. It, it's both... I have problems with it because I just... I don't ever go into films. I go into films with entertainment. I like when I, I want to be entertained, and that's all it is. I don't get any really deeper meaning unless it's designed to be that way. So here's what he had to say with the film that was pretty gory to begin with but he goes but there is one aspect of the film I'm disturbed by it, it involves the handling of Thulsa Doom the villain he's played here by a fine black actor James Earl Jones who brings power and conviction to the role that seems inspired in equal parts by Hitler, Jim Jones and Goldfinger but when Conan and Doom meet at the top of Mountain of Power it was for me a rather unsettling image to see this Nordic Superman confronting a black and when Doom's head was sliced off and contemptuously thrown down the flight of stairs by a muscular blonde Conan, I found myself thinking that Lenny Riefenstahl could have directed a scene and that Goebbels might have applauded it. He's taken it to an area where, like, I just didn't even go. It's the same thing with the Peacemaker thing. Like, I don't... Why do people draw this conclusion? Like, it's not meant to be that way. And I think sometimes critics and people in general, when they watch films, they're looking at it through the wrong lens. There's no way I can guarantee you that when this movie was directed and made, that the first thing they were thinking of was racism. Just, it was never a thought in their mind. And we know that Schwarzenegger's not racist. We know that uh, Earl Jones is not racist. And we know he didn't take any racism against it. So it's... It blows my mind that somebody would go into a film and immediately pick up that out of that scene. I saw a guy who's a fucking fantasy barbarian killing a dude who's like a bad dude. Like just a bad dude overall. Well, this is the, the thing. 
in the, um, I guess the graphic novels or whatever, when these were originally done, this was done, like, I'm trying to think. It was the early 1900s. It, it's, it was he said, like, like 1930s yeah. or something. So, this was not a... And Conan, like, the legacy has been loosely kind of been around for years. Right. I don't think this is a racist thing. I think James Earl Jones just happened to be a black guy playing... Well, you know, it's funny because when you watch this film, he's not your traditional black-looking dude. He has long black hair. Yeah, everybody has that weird mullet in the movie. Like, they really do. And the thing is, like, you know, even Conan does not look like your traditional Viking. He doesn't. He just... And that's true because, remember, I was reading in the uh, Conan wiki, it said, like, he's from the north tanned yeah and i'm like if he's from the north how the fuck is he tanned like because they made a to some degree even daryl jones was sort of more light colored and you know than you would see normally like he's he's lighter than eldris hilda is you know what i mean so it's like i don't know man as a kid i'm looking at i'm like i don't ever think of color i think we talked about this before i think of character acting well, That's I did, what I think of. Right. Because he was playing... Because I wonder if Ebert would even say the same thing if, if if Doom had been a white dude. Like, I just... I don't get it. That's what I'm saying. I, I don't think that this was written in a racist manner. I just think that James Earl Jones just happens to be a man of color who played the part. So now it looks like you're, like... Yeah, but... It, but... But unless you have, like, to me, you don't write something like that unless you have something that can justify that. You know what I mean? Like, somewhere along the line, you have to say to yourself, how did I come up with this conclusion? Now, he goes on to say, am I being too sensitive? Perhaps. But but then he starts to go on about what you said. But when Conan appeared in the pulps in the 1930s, the character suggested in certain unstated ways... The same sort of Nordic super race myths. Well, that might be true with that, but we don't see that in the movie at all. I didn't know anything about it until I started reading about Right, it. like, why would you even bring that up in a movie that doesn't even touch on any of that? It just makes no sense to me. Like, And I just feel it's unfair because the one area that you have a problem... He gave it three out of four stars, which is surprising <laughs> uh, for a movie like this. So... It's cool that he gave it a great rating, but, like, I'm just... It still baffles me that he was going to go there with that. Like, I'm like... It wasn't even about whether or not Earl Jones deserved the role. It was just kind of like, oh, the symbolism. But there is no symbolism. Symbolism was that Thulsa Doom was just a bad dude, a villain. And so, as you actually put it... My symbolism is he was a fucking pyramid scheme. He was doing his own little cult thing, and it's... That? Okay. Let's think about... Uh, let's go... Well, I'm just going to go back to your idea about the cutting the head off. The mother lost her head to Thulsa Doom. It would make sense that that's how he's going to die at Conan's hand. Mm-hmm. So that really is the best symbolism you can give. Like, there is no thing about the race. Like, it just never played a part. I never saw it as a kid. I never saw it now. And it, it just makes no sense. So... 
I'm not going to bust Ebert's balls too bad about it because it's the only complaint he really had, and it was just something personal to him. But I don't know much about the, the, the comics or anything in the past, so I don't have anything to go back on. But I'm not even sure if I would have come out of it even if I had. Like, I just... I go into a movie to enjoy it for entertainment purposes. People go into Avatar and they come out with this, like, whole political thing. And I'm like, why? It's fucking blue people being terrorized by the military, which is not nothing new in movies. It's like, come on. Let's let's just have fun with what we're watching. Let's not dive into this, what does it really mean? People are trying to go all Stanley Kubrick on this shit, and there's no reason for it. Dude, we tried to go Stanley Kubrick. I mean, we can't understand his ass. Even, I mean, I, um, I think part of me, because if you go back into Shakespeare time and mythology time, they talk about, like, there were a group of Moors who were people who were darker from the South who come up and take over. You see that in the 300. Mm -hmm. You see that uh, in Othello. You know what I mean? Because he was a Moor. And he's like the only black dude. But it's it's you have to kind of p picture like this is a, a classic story. And um, it's not quite like, I don't know how to put this. It's a classic story, but it's not quite like a Shakespearean story or like a mythological story because it was something written as a graphic novel in the early 1900s to um, be interesting, you know? And But they're taking those things. They're taking, like... I would see there being problems if, say, like, let's back up to the James Bond stuff. If you made Eldris Elba... James Bond and then you kill him off to the first movie. That would be, to me, a kind of a sign of like, oh, it's gotta be some racial undertones. Oh, you're there. being an asshole kind right. of thing, right? Uh, but this is a case where, like, really, there was never a thought of, like, there was no precedence for Dulce didn't begin with. You said it. It's just a character. It can be played by anybody. Uh, you could have put a fucking woman there. It wouldn't have fucking mattered. It's very, um, open-ended what's, yeah what's the word um shit. androgynous right you could it could be it, it could have been uh i don't know it could be cleopatra it could have been um you know yeah you could have made it anybody in. could yeah. have been as long as you put that really bad mullet wig <laughs> on whoever it was because they all had those really bad even the pussy golden snack woman who saved conan i'm not gonna say it again <laughs> bitch saved conan twice and even in her death, she is the hero of this film. But I, I really do have a problem with that because, you know, when did he write this? Uh, it was around the time the movie got released. I mean, so he was woke back then. Yeah, I, I again, he doesn't harp on it too much, but I was surprised as I'm reading through it. I'm like, wow, why would he even come to that conclusion here? Like, it doesn't make a lot of sense. Because he loved the film, obviously. He's like, yeah, it's a really good film. Uh, it's all, you know, he talked about all the great, you know, sword fighting and whatnot. And I'm like, somehow he just came away with that particular scene. He, it, to him, that was disturbing. I'm like, I don't see what, like, you look at the rest of the movie, there's a lot of gore and blood going all over the place. Heads rolling, whatever. Uh, so, I don't, you know, 
why wouldn't you be offended that a black guy cuts off a woman's head? I mean, I just... I, That's another thing, too. Like, nobody has a problem that his mom right. uses her head. And also, which I learned reading the Conan wiki, um, Conan's mom... Conan was not born when Conan's mom died. Conan's mom got... She didn't get her she head pregnant, off. Right. She was pregnant. She got mortally wounded, which pushed her into childbirth and Conan was a baby so he didn't witness all what I mean the witnessing does help with the story and everything but I just I find it utterly fascinating that they're harping so much on like we're taking down the black man and I I don't see it like at all because this was you can't even you can't even call it a product of the time because it was not designed for that no that's why I'm surprised. Like, this sounds like something that would be written now. Right, right, like, right. Oh, you're being way too... Uh, but it, like, still wouldn't hold much water. It's just really weird. Uh, so, yeah, I thought it was interesting. I didn't agree with it, but uh, I just thought it was interesting because at the time that it was written, I'm like, well, you know, what is it he's looking at here? And I, he references the stuff from the past, or the, the 1930s, all the comics and stuff, so... I'm assuming he was probably a big fan of Conan at some point in his younger years. Either that or he was doing his research, you know. And he, as he saw the movie, that's sort of something he picked up on. But I'm like, the movie never mentions that. And I think that it's important that if you're a critic, that you stick to what we're seeing on screen. You don't reference stuff that... Because a lot of people aren't going to know that. <laughs> and so I didn't know that. So, like, you know... The movie itself, you just gotta use it on its own merits. If it's doing something that you feel like is holding the black man down or black women or whatever, sure, make those points, but this isn't one of those cases. This is just a very good actor in James Earl Jones who portrayed Tulsa Doom masterfully. Masterfully. And, you know, his character is the one that falls to Conan because of revenge. Like, it's just, that's how it is. And,. I don't know if he expected the death to be differently, but you made a lot of sense. I didn't even put that together with the, the mother losing her head to Doom losing his. So that's probably why they did it that way. Like, it was sort of like a, a full circle of uh, redemption for Conan. Uh, yeah, so it's it's a great movie. Uh, Damn, we have, like, a massive discussion about Conan. All right. Like, we're pulling all the, like... <laughs> all the stops. All the stops. Oh, we're getting intellectual. <laughs> we're thinking about, like, past, present, and future. Listen. Take Conan for what it is at face value. Fantasy movie, people. You Action. wouldn't look at Clash of the Titans any differently yeah. back then. I mean, we... Honestly, I like... Every time we watch a movie, I like to do a little research, especially if it's something I'm not really, um, I like Conan. This is not me saying I dislike Conan, but like, you know, Anubis likes to show me some stuff, and I'm, I'm like... No, you did it really for, um, what was the movie you watched? Uh, it was like some horror movie. That you it, was, it was one of the Italian horror movies, yeah. and I'm like, I'm not really into this, but then... Everything else about it was interesting. You start, like, catching the backstory, and you start realizing the work that goes into things. Even the stuff with Step Brothers last week, First of all, we on the surface, again, it's another surface-level movie. You don't have to dig deep to enjoy the comedy. But 
when you start looking back and you start seeing how hard that the actors work together and the director work together and how, you know, you see actors that have been in this movie have worked on other projects together. That's the whole idea when you start really looking back because, you know, this is the retro DVD movie vault. These are movies that we have purchased and you know it's it's kind of is a vault we have this really beautiful cabinet that has a lock on it that yeah. <laughs> we open up once a week and we're like what do i want to watch and it's fascinating sometimes because you start i at least i do um you know watching the movie and i start like getting down a little bit of a you know a tunnel a hole or whatever you just keep digging and digging and digging you find out that oops, excuse me sorry you, you keep you uh you keep finding out fascinating facts. Yeah, I told you I was looking at a, a little quick clip of James Earl Jones talking about at the time when he was doing a movie that he, because he had just come off of doing the voice work for Star Wars. That's right. That's and right. so he was talking about how... Return of the Jedi was 83? Yeah. Yeah. Well, 82. Empire Strikes Back was like 80, 80 or 81. So it was around the same time, Ooh. but... His basic point about it all was, like, you know, Star Wars had this good versus evil, and he saw Conan the same way. Uh, he didn't really approach it any other particular way. He's just like, yeah, you got this good and evil forces working against each other. And, you know, he seemed quite proud of the film, and that, you know, that was kind of what I was looking for because I was curious how... I, w I wanted to find something, which I wasn't able to do, to find something that was in his present time, how he still felt about that particular film, but... Sometimes it's hard to come by those kind of like information. See, for me, I um, it's more than just like the whole good versus evil thing. And this might just be because I just watched that damn Lularoe documentary, but I was seeing, and we just watched some cult documentary too. Maybe I, I believe a lot of stuff is kind of like your frame of mind. That's what I was seeing. I was seeing, yeah, it is good versus evil, but I'm seeing James Earl Jones as this person. He's the top. He is the kingpin. Hot shit. He has gone the last 30 years fucking up his whole kingdom and scaring people. His influence, and people are treating him like he is a god. Mm -hmm. And that's where the worshipping comes. And it's him at the top, and then it just goes, like I said, a pyramid scheme. And it just goes down, 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 down. And now you're seeing Conan climbing that pyramid. And that's the power that Doom had. We, you didn't see it in the clip we played because it was uh, voice, but... The, you know, there's a moment where Doom is explaining to Conan the power of flesh. So he's pointing at a young cultist who's on top of this rock uh, far above him. And he's like, come to me. And she just jumps willingly to her death, basically. That's what it was. And he's like, now that's power. You know, and that's what he's trying to explain. Is like he, the power of con mind control, really, without even saying it. He's like, that's power. And that's what he has been doing. So he moved on himself, basically, from the whole idea of weaponry and, and steel, even though his, his minions well, used him. that's how he started. 
Right. Started from the ground up, and he has made himself so indispensable that people fear him. Right. So now at this point, he has gotten this reputation that he doesn't need to do anything except for scare people. Yeah, they're just there to enforce his. And then yeah, he's got system. his minions. He's got his you know he's got his heavies who are down. Shit, we are. Breaking down fucking Conan the Barbarian. <laughs> this is an Arnold Schwarzenegger movie where he is wearing a loincloth and swinging a sword, and we are swinging his dick. We are turning this into some kind of college level thesis you know, discussion, <laughs> but that's okay because you can do that. You can do that, and I mean, I, I am happy you picked this because. We've been hitting a lot of we've been hitting a lot of horror lately. We have been hitting a lot of martial arts lately. Different. Yep. You know. That's what I try to do. Mix that shit up. Now, if you fucking pull out some Lord of the Rings, then Harry Potter next time. <sighs> Just kidding. All right. I already, I've already got mine picked out. All right. Cool. You know what I'm picking next week. I hope I don't know, because usually when you get that excited, it's something really bad. <laughs> you want to climb the rope? Very weird. Oh, yeah, no, if we're good with that. We're good with that. <laughs> All right, back into our music. Uh, stuff from uh, Electric Talon Records, as well as Quabar PR. Here's Auto Creator with The Great Persecution. The Tree of Woe.
come get it. Your lip. No!
right, Voivod doing this is not an exercise. DJ Nubis. Closing out this edition of the Hordes of Chaos on the Metal Town Radio Podcast, episode 135. It's been a doozy. It has been a doozy. It's been a pretty fucking awesome. Mmm. Mm. So we all appreciate you all tuning in and checking us out. We love the support as always. And just like Kevin, if you got any re- music requests or if you want us to talk about anything particular movie-wise, let us know. Be glad to do it. Uh, even movie reviews, if you have something you want us to chat about. If we can find it, we'll, if we have it, we can check it out. If not, we can find it probably. Uh, so yeah, that's about it. Many thanks to the labels and promotional sites for the music they send us. Much, much appreciated. And until next time. Until next time. Stay metal. Here's some heathen with heathen song. Very nice. See y'all later. Thank you.